0: From the best about the business side of the food service industry. If you make food, then let us help you make money doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us. Info at businesschef.org. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business Chef Podcast. Chef Sean here. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for joining us. And thank you to ClickLease, ClickLease.com. Thank you for keeping us on, keeping us going, and keeping us in the black when it comes to getting equipment financing for the equipment that we need. ClickLease.com. Go check them out. Get what you need. We have a really different one today, a show I think that is important because we as consumers and we as producers want to know what's out there when it comes to products. As consumers we want to know what the best products are and why they're the best. As producers we want to educate our public as to what our our products are and why they are the best. So without further ado Let's talk to my good friend Jimmy and find out a little bit how he can help us with this.
1: I started Smarketing in 1994. It's a food marketing outsource company, which I will explain specifically what we do. But prior to that, I was basically had a succession of jobs in corporate America, both in finance and marketing. I started with Topps Chewing Gum and their international division, progressed over to finance at Unilever, and then transitioned into marketing on fabric softeners. From Unilever in New York City, I ended up with Quaker Oats Company in Chicago on Aunt Jemima Retail. I'm proud to be part of the product team that removed the bandana and updated our packaging. But then transitioned into Food Away From Home Channel and from the Quaker Oats Company, thanks to an individual leaving and then recruiting me. Ended up with Campbell's Soup, marketing several lines like Prego, Velastic Pickles, and Food Service, and started a field-based marketing function. But thanks to Trials and Tribulations of Corporate America, ended up, getting booted and decided it was time to go out on my own. So I founded Marketing in 94 and basically to provide more than just strategic counsel with my connections in the industry. We wanted to also get involved in helping companies execute against the strategic plans that we built. So everything from new product introductions, chain account marketing, uh, branding, repositioning, etc. two biggest uh, achievements that I felt that I did in the initial years of my company was we helped McNeil Nutritionals launch Splenda in food service because every yellow packet of Splenda on the table top was a marketing impression and also got Stonyfield Farm Organic Yogurt going in the food service channel. But somewhere on the journey back in 2010 when i thought about it this morning getting ready for this call my business has kind of morphed over to social media strategic planning of social media content uh, marketing etc because basically we saw what was happening and trending in social media and kind of the middle-aged white guy in the room that was not afraid of technology And right now, I would say our bread and butter is working with the supply chain of McDonald's. So we, on a monthly basis, provide some trend analysis for their suppliers as well as McDonald's, their business development, their innovation team, their marketing team, because McDonald's, through the years, have kind of cut back in the number of agencies they deal with. So that is where we're at at this time, still taking on projects as it relates to new product introduction, the product I'm most bullish about right now. I'm having a hard time making connections, but we have a meeting coming up down the road with a Japanese company, Is seaweed, because I got involved in the beginning of plant-based foods with the Plant-Based Foods Association out of San Francisco. Uh, And that is basically where we're at at this point in time.
0: Wow, you you've got some great experience. I think it's important to to talk about this today because there are so many products out there, and there are so many different variations of of products that I think a lot of times we can get as consumers, we can kind of get lost as to you know what all of our options are. but um, you know, as companies, it's also. Important to be able to to uh, differentiate our products and to be able to showcase why they're different and why you should purchase one over the other. So, talk a little bit about this space that you're in the uh, you know consumer marketing kind of industry and and the ups and downs that you've seen and some of the changes you've seen. Um, you know you you mentioned kind of transitioning uh, focus to social media. Social media obviously has become very important in marketing, but talk a little bit about the industry that you're in, educate us a little bit as to what it is that you do in the space you're in.
1: I think the niche which really differentiates my company or my experience with my peers is I've had both a retail and a food service background. So I understand food service inside out, back of the house, front of the house, distribution, brokers, et cetera, et cetera. But it really comes down to who's eating your product, and that's the consumer. So with my consumer background and consumer packaged goods, I follow the trends of all demographics and eating behavior. So I'm seeing a lot of changes over the years. I feel that because we're so time-starved, the convenience factor is slowly becoming more important than the experience factor when it comes to eating out. People want it now. They want it fresh. They've increased their amount of snacking, thus they're not eating traditional day parts. And the other thing, which I'm very concerned about, and I talk to a lot of people in the industry about, and I think they're just beginning to wake up, we have so many food venues now, Sean. I mean, you can go to the movies and get two or three different types of burgers or sushi or or fries or poutine. And, you know, some theaters, these multiplex have bars that that takes a restaurant meal out of the system. A kid can go to go to, you know, uh, Walgreens to get some shampoo and then pick up a great salad or sushi, that's one less person that's patronizing our industry. We've always been focused in on supermarkets, but now there's just so many venues, and now there's the meal kits, and now in order to compete against all these alternative venues, the food service industry is waking up and the convenience factor that they're offering is basically delivery and if we didn't have delivery, I really think that we'd be dead in the water. So it's interesting to see how we move forward as an industry to offset all this off non-food service traditional competition that's surfacing. And let's not just forget sea stores. I mean, sea stores are way beyond roller dogs at this point, Sean. They've gotten very advanced in their food service offerings. So it's a, a really, highly competitive field. And because it's highly competitive, I really try to stress to everybody that they need to understand the eating behavior of their consumers and they gotta get very, very sharp as it relates to their target marketing.
0: So maybe maybe you can give us some examples of who you think is really doing this well. And, and maybe some examples of, of people that aren't doing it well or that could use some assistance in, in really doing a better job.
1: May was National Hamburger Month. White Castle Sliders basically ran a promotion for their National Hamburger Month that you would get three sliders for a year, and they really went hard on Instagram as their platform. But again, catering to the younger guests. And McDonald's. Didn't do much for National Hamburger Month, but they're so forward-thinking in terms of getting to the younger guests that they actually moved their campus from Oakbrook, which I just read they sold, but moved to downtown West Chicago so they can lure younger talent to try to get into the heads of millennials. So the restaurant companies are doing a really great job. I, I think the manufacturers are just responding to whatever the restaurant companies are trying to do. I mean, the one that really knocks it out of the park, as far as operators are concerned, getting the younger people are both Taco Bell and Wendy's. They have unbelievable social media presence, and they just understand that the younger guests are just totally addicted to their technology, specifically their mobile pieces. So those are some of it. As far as chain restaurants doing a good job, not a great job. A lot of broadcasting, not much engagement like a Taco Bell or a Wendy's. Uh, And then your white tablecloth people, I can name some people here in Portland, Maine, but they're really, the white tablecloth people are taking to Instagram. And now we have these food porn is the, the subject and Instagrammable photos, but there are some very aggressive people in white tablecloth now that post on a daily basis what their specials are or talk about their happy hour specials or make sure that you make reservations, etc. But I do not see it, Sean, on the manufacturer side of the business, except for the packaged goods they're making as far as snacks are concerned. And the one that's cleaning up there would be Mondelez. They do a great job. Uh, and Pepsi does a great job in terms of connecting with the younger consumers. Okay, so now that we have kind of a, a point of
0: reference or an idea of who do, who is doing it well, um, and maybe even some that, that aren't doing it so well, imagine that you are engaging some of these people or you're you're consulting with them, you're giving them advice. What advice do you give to some of these companies or any company when it comes to... Uh, gaining traction in marketing or engaging your guests more?
1: Out of the gate, tell them to start focusing in on a future guests. And I have some numbers I'm going to share with you, but this is nothing new. This is something I learned a long time ago. With uh, I worked with Edie's Dryer's Ice Cream, and we wanted to introduce Haagen-Dazs novelty items. So we went out into the market, and the big player in food away from home was Ben and Jerry's and I I just couldn't understand why was Ben and Jerry's spending like drunken sailors on college campuses until I realized that kids only go to school 24 out of the 52 weeks a year so the other 28 weeks a year their new consumers would go to the supermarket or Whole Foods and buy pints of ice cream at full price And I realized long-term what they were doing was building a consumer base with their future consumers. So my number one thing would be to tell an operator or manufacturers to really start gearing up their innovation towards the younger generation. And there's two of them that are split demographically now. Obviously, everybody was hot to trot on millennials, and those are those guests that are born between 1981 and 1996. And depending on what resource you read, they're somewhere in the neighborhood of 73 to 78 million. What I can confirm, though, is they're the number one group population-wise. They surpassed baby boomers. So they are in mass, the number one group now, and they control, believe it or not, 31% of the total income in our country. So everybody's looking at them, and obviously they're working, and they're also paying off student loans. And now the latest buzz among the millennials are there's 17 million of those and growing are millennial parents. So they're having kids a little later in life, but you need to be aware that they are raising kids, and they have different demands as far as what food the kids will You know, it's no longer mac and cheese. Kids like ethnic food. Kids are are aware of this healthier farm-to-table movement going on. So you have the millennial parents now suddenly a big focus of that group. But behind this group is what is known as Gen Z, and that's anybody born after 1997. And what we're learning about these people is by the year... 2028, they say Gen Z will surpass total population of millennials, and that this group has disposable income of 828000000000 billion. I'm getting all these statistics, by the way, not, this is not fake news like some people might say. I did my homework. This is all from the Pew Research, but they spend 24% of their disposable income on food. They're very food-oriented almost to the extent because they're online every day, either looking at YouTube or Snapchat or Instagram. They have all the online cooking shows, et cetera. But I read a study from Farm Rich and Sean, they spend 945 hours, which equates to 39 days a year, obsessing about food, what they're going to eat, and making decisions about food. So these future guests, your millennials and Gen Z, they're going to be the consumers that are filling up your dining room, or they're going to be the consumers that are ordering up and delivery. And it's really important to understand what makes them tick and understand some of the marketing behind getting these people to build your business. I mean, I wouldn't take your eyes off seniors or baby boomers, but these are the people that are just have grown up on, in food service. It used to be when, I was growing up eating out was a treat eating out now for this generation or these two generations is the
0: norm. Oh, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we see that, we see that all the time now. I mean, the way that delivery models are um, are becoming more popular as far as yeah, just delivering catering and convenience that Jeff definitely uh, is geared Towards a younger younger population, not not necessarily the people that want to go in and have dinner at four o'clock in the afternoon. So uh if you had one takeaway from from everything today, what do you what do you think that would be?
1: It's just focus in on your future guests right now so you can build your business.
0: There is just so much information in not only in this, but in, in what uh, Jimmy and I talked about, and you know, one of the things I really wanna I wanna touch base here on is that learning to market, learning uh, is is really more about learning who our guests are and what is attractive to them, and then creating a message and delivering that to them in a way that they they will hear. That's really what it comes down to. So I. There was just so much information in what we talked about. We decided we need to do another show. So join us next week as uh, Jimmy and I continue to discuss uh, some of the things that we have here. We are going to have him on regularly because of his wealth of knowledge and the applicable message that he has to everything that we're doing. So special thanks to ClickLease. ClickLease.com. Go check them out. Make sure that you get the equipment financing that you need. Get approved for it instantly. Go check them out. Thank you to them for continuing to uh, support us in this show. And uh, come on back, everybody. Come see us next week and listen in as uh, Jimmy and I continue on. Friends, family, co workers, or anyone who's interested in it, money. And when you get a second, to give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us info at businesschef.org. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around. Go check out the new book, Food People Management, by me.